It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dottino with you. We're back to the offseason three-headed monster, and we'll do this once a week, folks, over the course of the offseason. Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants podcast network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of the shows on our podcast network, including Big Blue Kickoff Live, Giants Rewind, and the Giants Huddle. I just put a Giants Huddle down with Paul Schwartz yesterday, about 45 minutes. Go check it out. We recap the season. And you can find it, of course, on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. And don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by the New York Lottery, introducing Money Dots, a new game from the New York Lottery where you pay, where you play for your chance to win money on the dot. Please play responsibly. All right, guys, so we're kind of through this first off-season week here, which is great. We can start getting into off-season business. We're not ready to do draft quite yet, guys. We'll get there. The work will begin next week, but we're still going to kind of focus over the next week or two up until the week of the Senior Bowl. We will focus on recapping the season, figuring out exactly where the Giants are in every aspect, and having some fun along the way as well. And, of course, we're taking your calls at 973-667-1960. So here we go, guys. Let's start here. We kind of want, before we talk about Wild Card Weekend, want to do some offensive and defensive MVPs for the Giants. And I don't think these are necessarily easy choices this year, to be quite honest with you. So we'll each give our choice in each category, then we'll do some Wild Card Weekend breakdown. Mr. Dottino, I will give you the honors. Give me your Giants offensive MVP for the year 2020. Well, you know, John, I really had a hard time with this one. Obviously, the Giants offense struggled throughout the course of the season. So I thought, should I go out of the box? And I thought about it, and then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go with Daniel Jones. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to pick Darius Slayton. I wanted to, but... I've got him down for double-digit drops this season, and that's a problem for me, especially since he only caught three touchdown passes. I wanted to go with Wayne Goleman because he was really an important part of the team's winning streak and kind of getting back into the race. But ultimately, uh, I did go with Daniel Jones. I liked his completion percentage. I thought his interception percentage, which, by the way, went down this year in spite of the fact that he had some early turnovers – I thought that was a good thing. I thought he clearly matured and showed a lot more in terms of pre-snap decision-making. Um, I, I wound up going with Daniel, and it's a more intangible situation than it is stats. Yeah, I, I did not go with Jones. I have trouble giving to somebody that has more picks than touchdowns. Uh, I thought the Giants' passing offense, quite frankly, was kind of a weakness all year. Yeah, but, but John, he had more touchdowns than picks. It was 11 touchdowns, 10 picks. Well, I mean, we're talking minor, though. Sorry. <laughs> we're talking one I, more. No, but. Interceptions. No, you're right. I actually have the numbers right. It That flipped late in the year. But the bottom line is that the passing offense was one of the you know yeah. weaknesses of the team over the course of the year. So I have trouble giving it to anybody involved in that, receiver or quarterback, to be quite honest with you, because all of them are involved in that, and the offensive line, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't helpful with the, uh, with the passing game either. So it kind of left me only one choice. And my only choice was Wayne Goldman. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I thought he played good football. I thought he broke tackles. He made some big plays. I thought he did everything pretty well. He had a couple lapses in pass pro, but I thought he was solid. He didn't have many drops. And I just thought when the Giants were winning, the best part of their game was their running attack, and that was Wayne Gallman. So I, I, had to, I had to go with the running back. And you guys know me. I'm not a big running backs have value type of guy. I'm with that 100%. But I think you have to, Lance, to me, pick the part of the offense that was the strongest, which was the running game, and then pick the guy who was the best in that respect. And I think that was Wayne Gallman. Yeah, that was going to be my pick uh, had I gone before you. So thank you for uh, taking my selection. But I pretty much agree with you (laughs) from that standpoint. I think it's actually a no-brainer. I think it's pretty much the obvious choice this year. I also take into consideration, remember, Saquon Barkley goes down in week two. And we knew coming into this season the run game was going to be critical no matter whether Barkley was healthy or not, okay? You were not going to put the offense solely in the hands of Daniel Jones and expect him to duplicate what he put forth in his rookie year in terms of touchdown-to-interception ratio because you figure the defenses were going to adjust and so forth. So they needed a presence of a ground attack, and you lose your most dangerous weapon, and for them to still be able to put together seven straight games where they ran for over 100 yards, and that coincided, as John hinted at, with the winning streak, Goldman was a consistent fixture. He may have not been flashy. He may have not had a bunch of games over 100 yards, him as an individual. But when you gave him the ball, I thought he was very productive. He had a career year, and he helped the Giants' offense have some consistency on the ground where when you were playing the Giants, you had to somewhat respect the run game. He also showed some flashes as a receiver. He got six touchdowns. There was a stretch where he had a rushing touchdown just about every single week. His presence and him taking advantage of his opportunity, that I think was big. You had Barkley go down. You needed somebody to fill that void. Goldman answered the call. Remember, last year was not about Wayne Goldman not being productive. It was a matter of Wayne Goldman not getting playing time. So this year, the numbers increased because he got more playing time and he made something out of it. So I think when you combine all of those forces, to me, it's the clear an obvious answer that he was the offensive MVP. Now, Paul, how much of your selection of Daniel Jones had to do with his running? Because I know you hate the running part of a quarterback's game, but I think the argument can be made when the Giants' offense started clicking with the Mm -hmm. run game, it was because partly of Daniel Jones' ability to make chunk plays with his legs. Yeah, that had to be part of it, John. I don't like to say that. <laughs> I know you, you don't. Know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> but but there's no doubt that, you know, he converted a number of first-down opportunities and kept drives alive. And, you know, I, I kind of – I know you asked for MVPs. I kind of also did another sidelight, and I had a bunch of other lesser awards that I just wanted to throw out after we're done with this. And my – Step up guy of the year was well, Goldman. well, Paul. What, what just I wanna, so you know, right? What I want to do though, I want kind of want to stretch these awards over the course of the next you know couple weeks. So let's okay. just stick with MVPs today, okay? And then we'll do things like most improved, best rookie, uh, things like that, and we'll kind of spread that out to give us some content over the next couple of weeks. So I don't want you to empty your bag right now. I, I okay? won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> but I do want to address Goldman because he was my step up guy this year because I thought he made the largest jump. Uh, and and was a significant contributor for all the reasons you guys just said. And it's why he was one of my three considerations. But ultimately, 
he had one 100 yard game. No, and that's fair and, too. And that's that. I, I uh, that just no, I couldn't do it. Well, here's the thing: he didn't have. He only had one 100 yard game. Daniel Jones didn't have a 300 yard game. That's <laughs> that, true. That, yeah. that's, that's why. True. Well, but that's why this question was so difficult, right? When you yeah. look at an offense that averages 17 points per game, I know, only scored know. 24 or more points twice. Over the course of the year, it's hard. And I, I wish I could have found a, 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 You know, I considered thinking maybe a Nick Gates or a Zeitler. I thought those are the two most consistent offensive linemen throughout the year. After the first couple that were a rough spot for Gates. But I, I have trouble giving that to a guard or a yeah. center. So I, I just I had to go with Gallman. And now I think when we hold our head over to the defensive side of the ball, this is difficult for a different reason. Oh, right? yeah. Because you have a <laughs> few pretty good choices here that I think you can make a good argument for why one of, I would say, three guys, maybe four, could be your defensive MVP. I'm going to let Lance go first here since he was stuck in third on the last <laughs> contest. Go ahead, Lance. Well, yeah, there's a few attractive candidates, but I think that I would go with James Bradbury under these circumstances, especially when you define the term valuable and what that does for everybody else on the team. I think Patrick Graham said to himself, because of the consistency of James Bradbury's play, I can, whether I go zone or man-to-man, the trust factor is there that I don't have to worry about a certain facet or entity of the field or a part of our defense when I have James Bradbury there because I know he's not going to have a brain fart for the lack of a better phrase. He's not going to give up that big play and he's going to be in the right position. That to me screams value and he lived up to those expectations. You think about he led the team in interceptions. He led the team in passes defense. He was up there in the NFL lead in passes defense that he made his first Pro Bowl. So, you know, all of those items get check marks and what he then did for Patrick Graham in the rest of the defense, whether it be, hey, being able to mix and match the other cornerback and not having to worry about the other side of the field, how to maybe move some safeties into the slot and so forth. I think when you take all those factors into consideration, Bradbury equates to most valuable because not just because of his production, but what he opened up for the rest of the defense. You know, it's funny, Lance, you say that. And Dan Salamone had a question in our written Factor Fiction for the website. And the question, I believe he, or the statement he posed to us for Factor Fiction was, I believe Leonard Williams was the most impressive, had the most impressive performance this year. I think that was the statement, right? And it's funny because I agree with you. And this is why I I cut in front of you, Paul, because I agree with Lance. I'm going to go with Bradbury here. But I thought Leonard Williams had the most impressive performance because I think his overall numbers were very impressive given the position that he played. But I'm with you. I think what Bradbury kind of allowed Patrick Graham to do defensively and, frankly, will allow Dave Gettleman to do when he hits free agency this year and trying to, you know, circle out this defense a little bit does make him the most valuable piece on this defense Bradbury can play man. He can play zone. He can play off coverage. He can play press coverage. We've seen him convert into safeties, uh, into a safety formation in, in some of these creative zone defenses that Patrick Graham puts out there. To your point, Lance, he never misses an assignment. So you put all those things together, that to me is value. And in an NFL where the passing game is king, I will go with the quote-unquote I hate using this term because I don't think anyone really is this anymore, but the quote-unquote shutdown cornerback in James Bradbury, and he was my defensive MVP as well. Paul? 
Yeah, fellas, you you know where I'm going to go here because it's razor thin between him and Blake Martinez, and I've got to go with Martinez. You know, you you look at the third uh, highest tackle total, over 150 this year, and the thing for me is this. He is the coach on the field. He is the extension of Patrick Graham. The defensive scheme that the Giants used this year was very multiple. It was very complex. By all of the testimony that we heard from even guys like Logan Ryan, who have been around the NFL for a very long time, it was the most complex defense that these guys have ever had to play before. Well, Martinez is in the heart of that defense. He's the one who's making the calls, who's getting all the information from Graham. He's not only setting up the linebackers, he's also setting up the defensive linemen. I, I, you know, look, the Giants have not had a legitimate, quality inside linebacker who could run a defense since Antonio Pierce was with Steve Spagnuolo, okay? And we've seen that for years. We see how important it is. We have seen the Darth of quality play from that position. I mean, they got a little bit out of Beeson, but he was hurt all the time and basically couldn't stay on the field. He would have been that kind of guy had he been able to play, but he was always hurt. Lance, I don't know about you. I'm shocked Paul didn't take Leonard Williams. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised, too, that he went in a completely different direction than I was thinking. Paul, not Leonard Williams? No, 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 no. Blake Martinez was the defensive MVP of this team. I, I, I can't express it any, any further than All that right. because, remember, he, Martinez is the guy setting everything up at the line. Uh, okay. He's making sure that, Mar- that, that, that Williams and Tomlinson and Lawrence are all in the right spot, filling the right gap, and they're doing what they need to do so that everybody else can do it. No, and, and that those are all good arguments, and I'm not arguing. I think you're on the button with all of those, but I'm going to make the argument for Leonard Williams then because that's who I was going between, between Williams and Bradbury. I think those, to me, were the two most you know valuable guys to this defense because I think the one thing we saw late in the year, especially against Arizona, Baltimore, Cleveland, when the Giants could not generate pass rush, it really didn't matter what their secondary did because mm-hmm. if the guy's sitting back there and he's throwing forever, you know, Bottom line is that you're going to complete passes in the league, especially when you're a zone-heavy team. And when Williams was impactful and he was able to get to the quarterback, no other Giants player had five sacks. Well, you see, you you just threw out something a, a minute ago, and, and you added a category when you said who was the most impressive. Well, no, but that, for, but, for me, right. Williams was the most impactful. Okay, well, well, see, see, because I think, but that's a different award for me. Well, I see. I think impact and value are very similar. That's I why mean, those I think are somewhat synonymous with one another. Yeah, I think. See, I think impressive is a little bit different. That's kind of like defensive okay. player of the year, okay. right? You know what I mean? We, but we I could... think, but I think value, Paul. You know, when the pass rush wasn't there, and Williams, let's be honest, was a gigantic part of what the Giants did from a pass rush perspective. He was it in terms of guys that were able to consistently win one-on-one. sure. So that's why, to me, he had immense value, not to mention his ability to stop the run, which allowed you to play two safeties deep, which allowed you to do all these creative things in the secondary. So to me, he was my runner-up by a hair's breadth, Lance. Like, it was really, really close. But Williams, to me, was just really, really good this year. To me, the second-best defensive tackle in the league after Aaron Donald this season. And that's saying a lot, because there's a lot of other good defensive tackles out there. I asked both of you this one question, and I'm not trying to be insulting to anybody. But let's just say Kelvin Shepard was in place of Blake Martinez this year. Is this Giants defense even close to being what it was? You're dropping a Kelvin Shepard on me. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's pretty good. And uh, you went quite back too. Yeah, I know. That's I a while you were ago. Go a little bit more relevant. Kelvin Shepard actually had some decent tackle numbers, and he started a whole season for this team. Like Jonathan Goff or B.J. Goodson or something like that. You dropped a Kelvin Shepard. Well, because Shepard had what I call empty tackle numbers. He compiled some decent stats, and he played the whole season, and he was in the middle of that defense. Now put him in Blake Martinez's shoes this year. You tell me how good this defense is. Well, there's no doubt about it that Blake had value. I don't think Blake's numbers were stunning, though, Paul, based on the fact that he no, did 150 this at Green tackles? Bay. No, you're right. That's not much. No, well, wait, hold on a minute. You didn't let me finish my statement, number okay. one. If you look at what he did with the Packers throughout his career, Blake put up consistently 150 tackles. So right. he basically did exactly what he's been doing throughout the course of his career. That was my point. I'm not saying that doesn't hold value, but Blake's performance wasn't stunning. I think if you would have said, Blake's going to sign with the Giants, you could pencil in for about 150, I would have expected him to get that. He was a consistent staple with Green Bay. I don't Who, think what does the that Giants matter? got him to do anything that was 10 times different. What does that matter, though? It what, wasn't. What, he, just, what putting... he did with Green Bay and what the expectations were has nothing to do with this award. No, Paul, frankly, I have Blake Martinez third on my list. So and he's not that and and I'm serious and, and okay and he's not that far away from Bradbury and Williams so I, I'm not going to argue with you I thought Blake was great good in the running game uh, they played a zone heavy scheme so I think he was able to to to, to excel at that but. I think generally when you look at value across the league, just, you know, just look at who gets paid in free agency, right? Who gets paid? Corners get paid, pass rushers yeah, get paid. Yeah, I understand. And that's kind of how I look at it. Okay, that's fine. Well, hey, and those look, are the most look, integral pieces of a defense. We're splitting hairs here. No, Because honestly, we are. Williams, Bradbury, Martinez, any one of those three sure. could very easily be the guy. And by the way, I want to throw out some laurels, too, for guys that don't get talked about that I think should be. And, Paul, you mentioned Logan Ryan. He's basically the Blake Martinez for the secondary. Yes. For lack of a better term. He's my X Factor of the Year. Okay. <laughs> Don't empty your bag, Natito. Sorry, He's but you're bringing up it up. Labeling every single player on you're the bringing these the things up. What am I going to do? All right, very quickly before we get to the calls, we already have a caller on the line here. But uh, I think Logan Ryan was really good in his role. I think Jabril Peppers was very good in his role. And I think Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence were very good in their role. So I think when you look at this, we just listed the three defensive linemen, Blake Martinez, Peppers, Ryan, Bradbury, throwing McKinney, who you know is going to be a big part of this next year. That's already eight guys that you know that you have confidence in to be a big part of this defense. I don't remember the last time, guys, that we were able to say, and again, that's assuming Williams and Tomlinson are re-signed, and we don't know if that's going to happen, where you feel really good about eight guys that get regular playing time on this Giants defense. When's the last time we were able to say that? Well, I think what you basically said is an indicator that there's playmakers on multiple levels of the defense, John. I don't know if we've had an opportunity to say that. I think in previous years, you maybe were able to point to a few guys here or there, well, but, a few, but maybe not they eight. were at one position. But not eight. I mean, I, as eight opposed is... to the depth this year at every position. I felt pretty good about the 2012 defense, John. Well, that I was mean... a long time ago, Paul. That was not well, yeah, well, Wait, wait, wait. You, but you asked. No, right? I don't. No, you no, said, no, when there, was yeah. the last time? Oh, and, and okay, I got you. I got you. Last time was probably 12. 16 had some players, but not as many see, as you just named. Yeah, see, I felt 16. The 12 defense had a lot of guys. Yeah, I felt 16 was star heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had some really good guys, but it wasn't as deep. I agree I with agree. you. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, 16, you had pretty much Damon Snacks Harrison. You had Olivier Vernage and Oris Jenkins because all those guys were brought in free agency. And JPP, but, too. JPP also. Yeah, JPP, that. that's yep. fair. But remember, there was still, you know, the injury concerns with respect to that. And then you also, on top of that, I would argue when Collins, you took Jack one Randall. guy. Yeah, Collins, But when one guy went down it was a huge on that off. defense, mm-hmm. it was a problem. Case yeah. in point, mm-hmm. when DRC goes down in the playoff game, what did Aaron Rodgers do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He game immediately over. starts to target the slot. So I think that is much different than this defense where also a lot of the younger guys played this season, which added to the depth where you could point to a number of guys in the secondary, some of the young linebackers contributing outside of Blake Martinez, and then, of course, the rotational group of guys up front. Not superstars, but at least substance there. I think that's the biggest difference between now versus 16. No, I'm with you. I I think that's fair, and I think the defensive coordinator's ability to kind of scheme around that too uh, when guys go down, I think you got to give them credit for that as well. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by the New York Lottery, introducing Money Dots, a new game from the New York Lottery, where you play for your chance to win money on the dot. Please play responsibly. All right, let's go to Brandon in New Jersey. He will be our first caller of the day. Brandon, how are you, buddy? How's it going, you guys? What's Glad up, man? Everybody. Uh, real quick on your topic, I'm going with Nick Gates for offense. Just okay. because of everything you said with the running game, but... I also know Dwayne Gallman was on this team last year, and I also know Saquon Barkley was on this team last year and playing, and they both got hit in the backfield regularly. No, that's a good so, point. That's fair. That's know? fair. And the mm-hmm. Gates came in, and at first it was like, whoa, what is this? But then, hey, that man turned out to be a man out there on the field, did he not? Yep. So, no, no argument. That's fair. Defense is kind of hard. I kind of just want to give it to Patrick Graham, to be honest, but he wasn't on the field. So I think you have to go with Bradbury because he's the only – guy that when you really look at even the stats he was playing above the X's and those almost every week he was on the field so um yeah all right so I was calling because I had to I had to clear my name man y'all, y'all did it wrong. <laughs> I had to clear my, my name because we didn't uh, mean to pick on you I, Brandon that's our bad sorry it's all about good that, it's all, all good. good so my, my <laughs> point wasn't a few weeks Paul I know you weren't here I, I talked to Lance and John chimed in but I was calling because I was saying that after two years I just don't see the future trajectory for Daniel Jones being elite at all. And I'm just saying that that's all. I'm not saying that he's a bust. And I'm not saying that we should get rid of Daniel Jones. I was actually, uh, Lance had mentioned it while we were on the phone. I kind of, at some point, maybe not next year because the draft isn't as deep, but if we could get, you know, maybe like a second rounder that could give him a little push within the next two years, is really what I'm looking at. Something like Arizona did without releasing Josh Rose. Okay, you know, That's Brandon, same I, Brandon. I, I think that th- this is a much more nuanced take that, that at least I think we understood from your call – you know, a week yeah. ago, maybe we misunderstood your point, and that's possible. But, yeah, yeah look, if you are wondering whether or not you think Jones can be in the class of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, if that's your point, yeah. I understand yeah. that. He hasn't shown that quite yet, and I get why you would think that. Um, and to, to your point— and this is the point I was trying to make, uh, I think it was after you hung up, actually, is that it's just hard to find one of those guys, right? So if your point yeah. is that you want to, you know, depending on maybe if it's not this year, it's next year, see how he does in year three, you draft somebody else to, you know, a little bit later to push him, okay. I think that's much more reasonable than I think some of the fans that just want to say, all right, we don't think this guy's elite, let's dump him and just figure out what, you know, what, what the next thing to do a quarterback is. Yeah, well, I think I Brandon. Brandon oh. What I'd like, what, what seriously, and I'm not picking on you because I think you, 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 you obviously are trying to 
you know, kind of break this down a little more in detail than maybe other people do. The question becomes, does your franchise quarterback, by definition, have to be an NFL elite quarterback? And that's that's the question. Can he be a top 10 in the league and be your franchise guy who can get you a Super Bowl ring? Like, for example, there are people who will say to me that they don't think Eli was ever a top four or top five quarterback in any one of his seasons, but he won two Super Bowls. Phil Simms was Phil in, in, in some experts' minds, ever a top five quarterback in any individual season that he played. Maybe, maybe not. He certainly was in the top ten, and he won a Super Bowl MVP. So I think that's really the question that I'd like to ask you. Do, you know, what is what is your differentiation between a franchise quarterback who can win a title and who's an elite quarterback in the league? You want to argue that Daniel Jones may never be elite? Fine. I don't care if he's one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the league. That means nothing to me. All right. So for me, I, I, I so I did this exercise, which I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the breakdown of how I did it. But for me, I, I listed the guys, all 32 teams, in four categories. Basically, Mitch Trubisky, then there's good quarterbacks, then there's very good quarterbacks, <laughs> and then there's elite quarterbacks. Okay. So when I did that, and I just went, Daniel Jones, and I went through every quarterback. Is Daniel Jones heads and tails better than this player? And if they were, or if he was, I put he's better. If they he wasn't, I put it, or if I couldn't really, you know, it's too early to tell or something like that, I put a possible. And if he was Mr. Trubisky, no, it's out of there. <laughs> no. or, but if it was also, you know, if it was, also, like uh, um, Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes, it's like it's not it's not the same. What I ended up with was Daniel Jones fits in this class: Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, uh, Darnold. I mean, you know, take it how you want. Uh, Tua, Tannehill, Carr, and Herbert. He fits in that class. Now, and the question is, do you need now, Brandon? Now, Brandon, Brandon, real quick, Brandon, Brandon, real quick. My question is: that your second class or is that your third class? In terms of tiers, it's actually, it's actually like it actually is like kind of the good quarterback. And okay. in that, and that's why I went in that you can have a good quarterback, but your team better be solid in almost every aspect because that's where you get a Ryan Tannehill, yeah, sure, right? Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, because most people wouldn't actually put Jared Goff in the upper echelon. Yeah, Brandon, to your point, those guys, those guys aren't carrying your team, but they're right. good enough to win with good players around them, is what you're saying, right? So right. if mm-hmm. you're talking about the team, we're we're doing good on defense. Look, we're talking about eight eight players next year. We're all feeling good about, but the offense is like, well, bro, these smalls around here. And that may not be completely filled next year. So you want your quarterback to do some heads and he wants he needs to be able to play above the X's and O's in order to make up for some of this deficit from the deficit. And that's where I have a problem with Daniel Jones. It's not that he can't function the offense. He just like when you threw out so this is what happened. While we were on that call, John chimed in and threw out uh uh Josh Allen. And I was on the spot and I just went, I, I think, you know, so but I was trying to go by memory of a year that I just kind of watch these games here and there. No, so no, 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 Brandon, Brandon, really quick. I just want to be clear so, 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 so the fans know what we're talking about. Your point is that you always know after two years whether somebody's I, I going to be. you can kind of tell. Uh, like, you should be able to, like, you should have good signs is what right. I was saying. Okay. Like, it should not take two years for you to sit around going, I don't know if this eye is ever really good. And my point was this. So, so not that Josh Allen was an elite quarterback in 2019. So I went back, and I, I don't have the all 22, but I went back and looked at some of the film. 
And one of the games, and it's like, this is what I was saying. Towards the end of the year, you definitely could see that Josh Allen had something special. And there was a, he, they were playing Cowboys. It was fourth and one. They hit this man like two yards behind the line. Of yeah, script. yeah, I remember he the play. Ran off a dude, jumped over a guy, first down. That's special. You understand? Like, that's special. Our guy can barely get out the pocket. What he doesn't feel any of the pressure. So Brandon, I'm I, watching Brandon, Josh Allen scoot and boot and get out of there. So Brandon, you know what I'm saying? so Brandon, I have a question from you. For, by 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 your calculations with your rankings, because Lance Paul and I haven't done this. So just just yeah. from your list, who are the quarterbacks that you have, and how many of them are there, head and shoulders above Jones right now? And then I'll let Lance get his two sentences here. Um, I got a uh, I got a little bit. That's why I said they're more in my tier three. I didn't really. All right, so I got Patrick Mahomes, of course. We yes. got Watson, we got Rivers, we got Burrow. Rivers, that, you know, uh, okay. I don't know about Rivers. I think listen, Rivers has been running offense for a long time. There is no way you're about to tell me that Daniel Jones is better than that guy. He's not as Rivers is not as mobile, but that man has well, been see, running the, offense. The, the other issue you got, Brandon, time. is is you got the time factor. Philip Rivers may play one more season and then he's done. So where are you then? Okay. Anyway, Brandon, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right. Um, so, Burrow, but you, you – all right, I, I'll give you that. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard with Burrow, but I did – just what I saw in the field, no, that's year, fine. I would that's think it's better. Okay. Uh, Jackson, I got Mayfield better. Big Ben, same thing. Been a long time he's been playing offense. All right, uh, we got Allen, of course. We got Fitzpatrick, he's better. Uh, I got Murray. I got Wilson. No? No. Fitzpatrick, Mar- you guys? I mean – Fitz is what he is. I wouldn't. I mean, Fitz is a journeyman. So, you know, I don't necessarily think a team is looking at him as the answer. Plus, of all the guys you've already listed, when you talk about above the X's and O's, I would say Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson have the skill set. And Rodgers. Things break down. And Aaron Rodgers to a certain degree, but I don't think he's as that big of a threat as a runner as the other three. No, that's fair. That's fair. But those guys, if your offensive line is having a rough go, I could see those guys doing things to make up for the stability you're missing up front. Outside of those four guys, just about everybody else you name, including Phillip Rivers, by the way, you still need your house to be in order, Brandon, in order for those quarterbacks to thrive. So there is I, I need one hand in the I NFL to Rivers. show you guys that play above the X's and O's where if everything is all of a sudden falling flat, meaning your receivers are not making plays, your offensive line, there's maybe four or five guys that can wiggle their way out of that. Russell Wilson I'll maybe throw into that. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, if, if things fall apart around Baker Mayfield, we saw what happened last year when things fell apart around Baker Mayfield. It gets ugly. So I would not put him in that it category. Can. To me, and, 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 and Brandon, to me, and then Paul, I'll, um, I'll let you get your two cents in before we say goodbye and change topics. I would put the guys in that group, that I think are the super elite, right, that mm-hmm. you think can just carry you, get hot, and roll. I think you have Russell Wilson. I think you have Aaron Rodgers. I mm-hmm. think you have Deshaun Washington. I think you have mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. I think mm-hmm. to an extent this year I think you got to put Josh Allen in that category. And I think mm-hmm. those are probably your five that can elite. put a team on their back with bad things going on around them and do it. I think based on what we saw early this year and late last year, I think Dak has a chance to get into that group, but he's not there yet. I think Kyler Murray has a chance to get into that group. He's not there yet. I think we saw Lamar Jackson early this year when things weren't going well. You know, remember, he has to play from ahead. Lamar Jackson's playing from behind. You know, he's not the same guy. So I wouldn't even put Lamar Jackson in that group. That, to me, is your super elite group, those five. And I think Josh Allen has been up and down this year a little bit too, but I think he's done enough in big spots where you can put him there. And I think that's your special group. And once you get past that special group, 
I think the rest of the quarterbacks in the league are very dependent on what's going on around them. See, that goes back to, by the way, why when you're looking for a franchise quarterback, you're looking for a guy that is going to be able to make good decisions, stay healthy, and put your team in a position to win. That's what I think is important to look for in a franchise quarterback. You can't expect the criteria to be you're going to draft a guy and he's automatically going to be thrown into the elite thing. I think you always just want a quarterback, good decision-making, don't kill me, put me in a position to win. And if that sometimes relies on the factors around you, so be it. Because, once again, very few quarterbacks can overcome those obstacles. All right, finish up, Brandon. Real quick, yep. the la- mm-hmm. real quick, the last thing I want to say, I would say everything that Lance said is absolutely true for a quarterback so you get the playoff. The one thing left that you did not include, the intangibles of when the lights are bright and the, the stadium is loud but silent at the same time. How do you perform in those situations? And I told Paul earlier in this year, it feels like if the Giants are down by two and they get the ball with 42 seconds left and Daniel Jones runs out on the field, I do not even feel like we're going to get a first down, let alone my man is absolutely going to carry it. That's where Eli Manning, for all that stuff, everybody talked about him. When the stadium was silent, but everybody was loud. You know what I'm saying? That moment right there. Eli Manning showed up and he showed up big. Every single time, or almost every single time. No. Thank as you, much Brandon. As he could be honest. So, all right, thank Chris you. Good stuff, Brandon. Good score. Um, and look, Paul, I think we've seen Daniel Jones do some good stuff at the end of these games, to be honest with you. I thought he played yeah. really good in what was a virtual playoff game against Dallas. Has he had some failures late? Sure. Do we know that he's this big-time clutch quarterback yet? I don't think we know that for sure. But I don't think we know that he's not either. To me, the jury's still out on that because, frankly, he hasn't been in enough of those big spots yet for us to know. I agree with you, John. I think to sum this up, there is still some things to be determined about Daniel Jones, but from what I've seen so far, the arrow leans in the right direction. And, you know, I I say to myself, okay, do I think, as I project Daniel Jones in the next year or two, can he be, for me, what I define as a franchise quarterback? Again, I don't need the guy to be elite. He does not have to go to the Pro Bowl. He does not have to be, you know, one of the top four or five guys in the league. He just has to be a guy who I believe can lead a franchise to a Super Bowl appearance. Do I think that I can project Jones to be that? I think I can, but we need more information in 2021. Yeah, and to me, Lance, I think if he can get himself into that second group, right, after you get by that Super Elite group that I talked about, if he can get into that, you know, Dak Prescott group, that Carson Wentz before he went bad this year group. The, uh, you know, Kyler Murray to an extent, he's kind of different, but that Matt Ryan group, that Phillip Rivers group from three or four years ago, not Phillip Rivers now. If you can get into that second class, that Tony Romo group, right? The Eli Manning group. If you can get into that second group of quarterbacks where if you have a good enough team, that guy can win for you, I'm not sure you can ask, and I think this is the point you were trying to make, right? I'm not sure you can ask for much more than that and keep hunting if you have somebody in that kind of second tier and second group. Yeah, because that quarterback gives you a chance to win. And once again, that's what I'm looking for. I think anyone who comes in, you could hope for getting another Patrick Mahomes, but let's keep expectations in check here, okay? The majority of the NFL, the majority of the 32 teams have a respectable quarterback, not necessarily an elite quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, who was thrown out to me, like he's a good example of, and I know his career didn't start off great, but once again, Miami didn't have a great offensive line. He goes to Tennessee. Well, in the last two seasons, he's helped his team get into the playoffs. 
You know what? You could do a lot worse than Ryan Tannehill. I would take Ryan Tannehill. Protect the ball, have a good running game with Derrick Henry, be able to have the mobility to escape out of the pocket. You have some young playmakers in the passing no, he's, game. He's played really well. Yeah, he's played really and, and well. And his defense is terrible this yeah, year. It the is. Tennessee defense yep. took a huge step back. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of quarterback you can get away with and win football games. Now, as far as Daniel Jones' outlook, if he can get into that second tier, as you mentioned, John, I think that's a big positive. I've seen flashes. I think you want to see consistency more out of Daniel Jones. For example, you go to last season, the Washington offensive clinic game with Dwayne Haskins, okay? That was a game where Washington scored, Daniel Jones helped respond, and it went back and forth, and then they ultimately won the game in overtime. I think of the Tampa Bay game. I know they came up short, but you know what? He put his team in a position to try to convert a two-point conversion. Sure. Okay, so you want to see him give his team a chance. And in the Dallas game, there wasn't that defining drive, but it was maybe a pseudo-playoff game, and he kept his team in it, and they were able to come through. I think, obviously, the defense, the interception by McKinney, was, to me, the clinching play as opposed to anything else. But sure. we've seen flashes. Haven't necessarily seen every time Daniel Jones is in that opportunity, you know what you're going to get out of him. So from that standpoint, yes, there are some question marks, but anybody who thinks that you know you need Mahomes and you need Aaron Rodgers to get to the playoffs consistently, okay? Let's not talk about the Super Bowl because, once again, the goal is get in the tournament. You get in the tournament consistently, that's a positive sign of where you are as a quarterback and where you are as a team. He can do that. That's when we start to talk about something moving him up to the next level. Yeah, John, and, yeah go ahead, Paul. If I can add one real fast thing. He sure. did mention the, the scenario, and, you know, Ernie Acorsi always identified a great quarterback or a franchise quarterback as the following. If you know you need one score and you've got that guy at the helm for the final possession of the game, can he take you down there and win the game? Which was his definition, and that's what Eli Manning did. And obviously, you know, he was on board with Eli. When Daniel Jones is in that situation, I don't think he's going to screw up. To answer Brandon's comment, my feeling is always going to be there's a sack, a penalty, or a drop pass that's going to screw up the drive. And that's just the way it's been for the Giants the last few years. So this is how I'll wrap up the conversation. I know we went long on that, folks, but I actually thought it was a really good call. I thought Brandon had some really good points. I thought he was reasonable, and I thought we had a really good conversation here about, you know, how you want to build with your quarterback. So I'll say two things. If you're sitting there and you got the first overall pick and you think there's a Mahomes and you want to make an upgrade with quarterback, I get that. The Giants are not in that position this year, okay? Anyone that they draft is going to have more uncertainty than what they have in Daniel Jones right now. Okay, that's number one. Number two, this is why, to me, it's so important that the focus this offseason, and I know fans might not want to hear this, even if it means maybe losing something off your defense, I think you have to put the pieces together around Jones so that he's put in the position to see more consistent elite play, to Lance's point, next year. You need to have a solid offensive line in front of him. He needs to have enough weapons to get the ball to so you can make a better evaluation of him so you have a better idea of exactly what he is heading into year four, which is why I think it is important, and I think John Maher and Dave Gettleman were very clear about that, that you have to give the quarterback some more help, get some more playmakers on offense this offseason so you can make that continued evaluation Though, again, I think the hour's pointing up. You like what we've seen the last two years. I'm going to do a much bigger in-depth look at how he improved in year two, how he got worse in year two with Jones next week. But I think as we look at it now, that's kind of where you want to focus on it moving into 2021. Well, John, go ahead, Paul. 
I, I, I was actually going to go in a separate direction. News just came out. The NFL All-Pro list was released, and none of the Giants are on the first or second team. And in the, in the spirit of what you were saying earlier in the show about award winners and MVPs, I have to be honest, Alexander from Green Bay and White from Buffalo are the two second-team corners uh, behind Howard of Miami and Ramsey of the Rams, who were the two first-team corners. How Bradbury does not make it to me is a travesty. Well, he would have been one of the guys that I think deserved the most consideration of any other Giant. I'm not surprised that maybe somebody else didn't make it. But Bradbury, I think you could make an argument that he warrants being at least on the first or second team. The problem is that corners are so subjective. There just aren't a lot of good stats for it. You know what I mean? They just aren't. You you could say, though, Bradbury with the passes defense, John. I think he at least had the numbers to back him up this year. You can, but I think Jair Alexander is actually the one player that had more than him. I think he had 20, right, this year or something like that? Or is that someone else that had 20? One person had more than Bradbury. I don't remember who it was. I was looking at it yesterday. Carlton Davis, I know, of the Bucs was in the conversation. It may have been Alexander. Yeah, I don't remember. Somebody, I I actually looked at it this morning when I was was doing the uh, sound on Factor Fiction questions, Lance. I don't remember. There was one person ahead of Bradbury with 20 this year, and I think it was Bradbury Xavier finished. Howard and the Dolphins. Oh, it was Xavier yeah. Howard, and he was Carlton he was Davis and guys. James Bradbury, along with Denzel Ward, finished tied for 18. Yeah, so there you go. Look, I, I agree. I, I would have made him an All Pro. I think he deserved it. I think he would have been a, a, a good selection. But look, there are other really good corners too. Uh, if you look at the you know yards and receptions allowed, I looked at that this morning, and Alexander in the same number of snaps, roughly gave up fewer catches than Bradbury did. So look to each his own. I don't get wrapped up in in, in these voting processes, but I think there's a real good case that Bradbury should have been one of those four guys. Anyway, Lance, you uh, you had one more point on the quarterback. Correct. Before we yes. Move on? What yes. I wanted to bring up, and you were alluding to this, because Josh Allen has come up in the conversation. So if we build the parallel between how did Josh Allen get to the Josh Allen of 2020. And I agree with you. I think if you look early in the season, Josh Allen to me wasn't nearly as effective as where he finished the season off. That's number one. But I'm looking at it more of the Bills and how they built the team around him, which is what the Giants need to do. And that's why bringing in offensive playmakers, stabilizing the offensive line is the biggest priority if you have to indeed sacrifice other pieces that you hit on. Because when the Bills drafted Allen, okay, they did not have their house in order on the offensive line. Go back to his rookie year. Allen was the leading rusher out of necessity. He was running for his life. Yeah. That was the necessity. <laughs> That's correct. Okay? Yes. They did not have an offensive line. So then what Brandon Bean did, their general manager, who served under Dave Gettleman in Carolina, He completely revamped the offensive line over the last two seasons. If you look at what they did between the 18-19 season and the 19-20 season. So that was number one. What else did they do? Okay, they acquired Stephon Diggs. So they gave Josh Allen a true number one wide receiver in addition to the John Browns and the Cole Beasley. Beasley was a free agent addition, but you got a number one guy, a guy that is a threat for 100 yards every game that can take the top off the ball, that can force defenses to zone in on him. Okay, number two. They drafted Devin Singletary and Zach Moss over the last two drafts to provide some youth in the backfield to complement Josh Allen. They don't have a star runner, but they have other guys that can take some pressure off of Allen, even though he continues to run. They also have a variety of different tight ends, not star tight ends, but one guy's a good blocker. Another guy can catch the ball. The Dawson Knoxes, the Lee Smiths. So my point is, it wasn't just drafting Josh Allen. Allen got to this point 
by the Bills' front office supporting him and surrounding him with talent. That's what the Giants now need to do with Daniel Jones to get Daniel Jones to that next layer or tier of the quarterback conversation. I think that's a good way to end that conversation, Lance. Good point. Get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. All right, let's go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Cole, you're on the line. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, it's Charlie from Portland, Maine. How you guys doing? It's amazing how he gets through and nobody else gets through. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why somebody up there just hates us that you find a way to get Dude, through. Dude, I had somebody amazing. I had somebody tweet me the other day with a picture of their phone with our call number and it had a one oh seven next to it and he said, I this is how hard I tried to get through and I couldn't do it. Charlie, and Charlie, 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 by the way, in all seriousness, this is, I think, five out of five days this week for you, or at least four out of no, five. No, I did call you. All right, four out of five, today. whatever. We only have one yeah. line. I, I don't want to have to start making rules about number of times people can be on a week. <laughs> but if, if, if all I'm getting is regulars this offseason, that's what I'm going to have to do. Okay? So I'm just warning you ahead of time. All right. Hey, no, no problem. Yep. Hey, uh, I can't believe you guys left out Tom Brady. You're talking about all these quarterbacks, and you left him out. Oh, you know what? I actually, you know, I take it back. You're right. For some reason, he didn't (laughs) pop into my head. Brady is in that first group. Absolutely fair. Okay. No, that's fair. You're right. You're right. right. MVP of the offense. I mean, that was hard for me to say about Brady. But anyway, the MVP of the offense has to be Gano. If that guy, he's a special teams teams player. (laughs) He's a special teams player. No, he's not. Uh, he makes a point. kicker is under the label of special, special teams. teams. Period. Yeah, There's nothing he, to debate here. He that's a fact. He puts points on the board. That's that's uh, part of an offense. You put points. Look, if he didn't score all those field goals, you tell me how many games we would have won. Great. Look, Uh-oh, Charlie, I will put one? it this way. I will put it this way. If you go okay. to the fact of fiction on the website, and we yes. talked about the most impressive performance, the three guys on my list were Bradbury, Leonard Williams, and Graham Gano. So, yes, I agree, but he's not an offensive player. Well, I, I put him on the offense just because he scores points. But, okay. I, I, That's okay. like trying to give the Cy Young Award to Aaron Judge, okay? It's not going to work. <laughs> well, though, that would be like also if Dante Pettis returned nine punts for touchdowns this season. Okay? Make him the offensive MVP. That would have been more than Jones did. I would give him that. Charlie, anyway. what's, okay, go ahead. Go, go, go. <laughs> no. No, the the uh, defense MVP. I, I mean, you got to go with Leonard Williams. I mean, he was our sack rush. I mean, he you know he had eleven and a half sacks. He also you know penetrated. He also stopped the run. I mean, he has to be the MVP of the defense. If you took him out, who was going to rush the passer? We wouldn't. Have, we would have got like twenty five sacks or something. It was ridiculous. He's definitely the MVP of the league, and he helped. Martinez Hello? be free enough to run around and make tackles in the first place. So to me, he's, he's it's hands down. He's the MVP of the defense. And I don't even want to get into Daniel Jones because you know where I stand on him. So that's all I got, guys. All right, Charlie. Have a great weekend. Hey, you Thank too, you. buddy. Enjoy the right, playoff Charlie. games. Thank you, Charlie. Comments? Anything? No. <laughs> Just want to move well, on. I think it was a slip of the tongue where he said, "Yeah, I know." The MVP of the league. I just let it go. I let because it go. I, I think I, we all knew what Charlie meant, but. Yeah, Leonard Williams is a strong candidate. We threw his name out there. So you throw out Bradbury, you throw Martinez, Leonard Williams, all can be supported with very strong arguments. I I don't think uh, any of them are a stretch at all. So, I mean, I really have no disagreement there. But I would say this. MVP to me is not just about stats. 
So don't get caught up in the numbers alone because Bradbury's got the stats. He may not have, you know, eight interceptions this season, which goes back to it's also a lot of the things you do for teammates that don't show up in the box score. To me, that adds value, which is what Paul brought up with Martinez being the coach on the field. Leonard Williams maybe freeing up somebody else off the edge. And Bradbury making it easier for Patrick Graham to scheme accordingly on the opposite side of the field. It's hard to compute all of those things I just laid out. And that, to me, adds value when you make a conversation and debate over who the MVP is. Paul, any comment or just move on? There's really nothing else to say. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Let's go back to the calls. Call your on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hi, Len. How are you? Good. Hey, hey guys. Um, on offense, uh, Gallman number one, Jones number two. And for the sake of discussion, I'll go with Gates at number three. But let me say this before I move to the defense. If Goldman's number one next year, we're in serious trouble. Oh, yes, that is correct. We are in a lot of trouble. Yes, Len, that is accurate. Correct. If, if Jones, With all due respect to him, he's Jones, a good guy. If, no, he's a good guy. But if, if Wayne Goldman drops into MVP next Goldman. year, we are in a lot of trouble. Well, if it Jones, also may mean that Saquon Barkley's not back on the field, too, yes, which I don't is, think anybody that, wants to think that about. That is correct. Yeah. If, Jones, if Jones isn't number two next year, we're – we're we're in a lot of trouble. I think you want Jones to be number one next year, and I think well, okay. and, and Len, I think that's what I think that was the point Lance and I were trying to make, right? Okay. You want to put enough pieces around Jones where okay. he can be your offensive MVP. All right, all right. So let me amend it to at sure. least number two. Okay, fair enough. All right, uh, number three. If if Gates is number three next year, we're in trouble. It's got to be Andrew Thomas. Yep, I agree with that too. Okay. That's fair. All right, let me go. Let me go to the defense real quick, so sure. you guys can catch a you know a couple of other people. I, I go with Brad, Bradbury number one. I'm going to go with Leonard Williams, number two, and I'm going to go with Martinez as number three. And I'm glad Blake Martinez is on the team. It gives us a player at every level. I mean, we got one on the front line, a linebacker. we got a corner. And, um, um, you know, let's not discount the value of that nose tackle on Martinez's totals. Which one, Tomlinson or Lawrence? No, Tomlinson. Okay. Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you can't, I mean, we saw, it, we saw it in Green Bay with Clark at nose tackle, terrific nose tackle, and allowing Martinez, you know, if you're going to play a 3-4 defense, you've got to have the nose tackle. It frees up those linebackers. Look at, look at the number Crowder was producing. Dalvin had a lot to do with those numbers on tackles. But, um, listen, I'm glad Martinez is on the team again. Um, uh, I, I, I want to give you at least a number four for next year. Sure. So we've got a player at the safety position, and that's McKinney. Oh, my goodness. McKinney has got to come through for us. You know, he's, he's got to be an NFL player and take big strides next year and be one of the best free safeties we've got, you know, that, that are, that's in the league. So I, I'm looking for those four. I'm looking for those four next year, and uh, you know, appreciate your comments. I'll, you know, I'll take it off air. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Hey, you too, Len. Enjoy right, the playoff on. game. Thanks That's for it. calling in. Thoughts? I don't know if I'd put that high expectations on McKinney. His last point. I think to me, the goal is first of all, let's see McKinney play double-digit games next season. How about that? Maybe a little bit more of a baby step. And also with the presence of Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan. Unless, once again, McKinney is your main slot guy, but you got Darnay Holmes, I'd have to know exactly what Patrick Graham envisions his role 24-7 next season. I don't know if you need McKinney to play at that level 
not saying that you don't want him to have a good season. I just don't know if the expectations are that high to put him fourth on the list. I do agree, though, that Tomlinson's presence allowed, and I know this is not maybe a phrase that Blake Martinez loves because he was labeled as a Green Bay, but, you know, it allowed Martinez to be the cleanup guy. Let's face it, right? Be in the right spot, make sure that there's no leakage in terms of the ground game, and he fulfilled that role. So, yeah, you can't overlook the role of the nose tackles within the defense, but McKinney, once again, I think my expectations are more of, let's see him get on the field for double-digit games. Let's see him get more comfortable in terms of where Graham puts him and lines him up in the defense before we put him maybe number four on the list of most valuable. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you, Lance. Paul? I've got nothing to add to this. 973 667 1960. Back to the calls. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello there, three wise men in the East. It's Joe from PA. <laughs> hey, now Joe. That's funny. Uh, so you're a wise guy in the Midwest. Is that what you are? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right here in PA, Central PA. Uh, uh, who, who played all the offensive snaps? Only one guy? Was it Gates? Did he play them all? Yeah. Every offensive snaps, yep. only Gates. Yes, that's correct. Because Andrew yeah. Thomas missed a few snaps at the end of that, what was it, the Bucks game? He, he got hurt at the well, end of one of those games? he also was benched for Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, I forgot about that. That's a good right. point. Right. So, I'm, well, whatever. And who, who picks the, the sports writers pick all pros? Yeah, the yes. AP writers. Associated yeah, pros. well, like I said, I, I think Leonard Williams, too, uh, I, he got snubbed. So, uh, I, what I want to talk to and bring you is about we're talking about valuable players and and top defensive players. That the uh, nothing against Logan Ryan, I, I have him there, but we do have two good safeties in that. Do you think he, he with uh, extending his contract? I'm thinking about our defensive line, the guys that are up there. Uh, is it Tomlinson? Is he up and? Uh, Thomas Leonard, and Leonard Williams, yes. Leonard Williams, them them two guys, you know, and maybe even on the offensive line, uh, uh, Zeitler, our, our guard, is, is was Logan Ryan more more valuable, or this is what I'm getting at, and extending his contract, where I'm thinking we have these two young safeties, you know, who are up, up there, and I, that's what I was wondering about. Nothing his contract like that. Now, fair question, Joe, and I don't think they said to themselves, well, if we sign Logan here, then we're not going to sign Dalvin. I think if that was the calculation, you probably would not have seen the extension. So I think they believe they can do both if, if they choose to. Um, at least, that, again, I don't know if that to be true. I just think that, you know, that happens to be my opinion. And I think, you know, this is kind of Lance, to Lance's point earlier, Paul, I think, you know, this is not going to be a two-safety defense. You know, these guys are so versatile, whether it's Jabril Peppers playing a virtual linebacker spot or to Lance's point, McKinney playing the slot sometimes. I think you're going to see three safeties on the field on 80 or 90% of the snaps next year with those three guys and then throw Julian Love into the mix too, depending on the game plan, you know, and whatever, however you want to, you know, term him in terms of his position. I think you're that that's going to be their base defense, three safeties. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that unless you're in short yardage or goal line. Right you will see a ton of three safeties, and you may even see four on occasion. Look, the one thing I will say about what Len mentioned in terms of McKinney, McKinney was a very high second-round pick, okay? He better wind up playing at a very high level. And I don't care where it is that he plays. I don't care if he's a joker. I don't care if he's a slot. I don't care if he's a free safety. I don't care where he is. He better wind up being a really good starter who's going to be on the field for most of the snaps. 
nope, I don't disagree with you. I'm, all I'm saying is, is that assuming that the core of this defense comes back, I don't know necessarily if I would say that he has to be an MVP-esque player. Yeah, I in guess, fact, I think there's a chance he might not even be the most valuable safety, depending on how yeah, those doesn't have to be. Exactly. No, it has, has to be really count. good. Although, yeah. absolutely, but but Paul, Len's point was that he thought he might be the fourth most valuable player on the defense. I've, and, and Lance and I just thought that might be a little strong. Could be. Yeah, that could be strong. Sure. I mean, it all depends on how the guys are utilized. Let's face it. No, of course. Their 100%. roles yeah. are going to determine their ultimate value when it comes down to it. Yep. Well, I, I was just wondering on that because I, I, I think I would have had Tomlinson there first if we'd lose him. One other thing, you, your, your show was on Daniel Jones, I, you know, the, the most of the show, quarterback. I have nothing against him. I think he can lead us there if he's there. So my thing is talking about uh, our backup quarterback, if we should bring somebody in. Because, I, I, you know, Daniel has been hurt the last few years. Let's face it, I, you know, that's my thing. And I have nothing against Colt McCoy, but I, I, you've seen what Dallas did. They, they brought their quarterback in. You know, you've got to spend some money there on a backup. But this is, this is where I'm at. I'm more concerned about a backup quarterback. You could go through them. Who's going to be available this year? Yeah, Joe, I hear you. But here's the thing, too, with Dallas, right? They spent all that money on Andy Dalton, and they still couldn't beat any teams that were good. All their I, wins came against bad teams. I mean, yeah, let's, I, hey, let's be I honest understand. for a second. That's and and what and that's why I'm so happy with our defense because you ain't gonna make uh, a specialty team better than, than Dallas's receivers and that, and they were hot here at the end and our defense really uh, held their own against them you know that we were able to win it so well again Joe and frankly I think a big reason for that was the pass rush I thought the Giants well, defensive line destroyed the Cowboys well, one in that there's game there's Leonard Williams again yeah. who got snubbed so uh, hey thank you Happy New Year's go Giants. It's hard to believe it's over the season. Already, I know, Joe. But... I appreciate it. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Hi, Enjoy Joe. your weekend. And just real quick, I know Paul mentioned the All Pros before. I just had during that call, I, I, I took a look at the group. And if you got one more, if somebody else wants to try to get in, we'll, we will take one more call before we say goodbye. Yes, look, Leonard Williams, I said I think he was the second best defensive lineman this year after Aaron Donald. I stand by that statement. But you also can't go nuts when the other guys that made it, other than Donald, were DeForest Buckner. Cam Hayward and uh, Chris Jones. I mean, those are all really, really, really good players. So much like with the cornerbacks, that's why all pro is so tough and I think such a good guide to who the truly elite players are because there's only a few guys at each spot. And I I think either or both of Bradbury or Williams should have been on one of these two all pro teams. But you look at the guys that made it, and I think you at least understand that, all right, these are also pretty darn good players at their positions. Well, remember, well, All thing, Pro also right. doesn't get split up with NFC, AFC like the Pro Bowl. Right, so, so they're fewer the guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. the other problem is, let's face it, although Williams plays a lot of defensive tackle in the Giants scheme, he does have defensive end snaps as well. So to some degree, he is a bit of a mutant or a hybrid, if you will. So does Cam Hayward, though. He you plays. Know, so he, he, he does Cam some, play some he, D end in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I don't know what his breakdown was. No, me you, neither. You, you could probably look that up, John. I suspect only because I've seen more of the Giants. I'm suspecting that Leonard played more end spot than Hayward well, did. Well, I think Williams played more end in a four man front. Hayward probably yes. played more end in the three man front. Yeah, is what I would say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's probably the way it broke down too. And anytime you get a guy who's going to be a hybrid, you know, it's going to impact his accolades because he's not a, quote, true one-positional player. 
Now, that doesn't mean he's less valuable to the coaches. Of course. To the coaches, those hybrid sure. players are more valuable. Go ahead, I wonder when it comes to the voting whether or not they're given criteria in terms of do they have to look at how many snaps a guy got on the inside versus the outside. Because if you look at the breakdown of how the roster is labeled, it's edge rushers, interior linemen. That's how they label it. So they don't do DE and DT for defensive right. and defensive mm-hmm. tackle. So I guess what I'm saying is how do you classify a guy like Leonard Williams? Are the reporters, are they looking at how many snaps he got on each side? Are they only considering him as an interior lineman? Oh, Lance, I don't know if, the answer, but I'm curious. See, uh, if I may be funny, when you when you franchise tag him, you want him to be a defensive tackle, but the player <laughs> would like to be an edge. Yes. You get it? Of That's course. the problem. And I would bet. That's I don't, the problem. I don't think anyone considers Leonard Williams an edge player. I don't think people would consider him that. So my guess is that nearly everybody would have considered him an interior defensive lineman. Well, then well, it's anyway. inexcusable he's off the list because, like you said, John, he belongs there then. No, well, because, see, then I would argue if you are just considering him an interior lineman, Paul, you're going to tell me you're taking off Chris Jones, Cam Hayward, and DeForest Buckner for Leonard Williams because I'm not. I would not be doing that. That's and fine. the reason why I didn't even mention Aaron Donald, because Donald's number one on the list. I'm not taking those three guys off for the seasons they had for Leonard Williams. You don't have to. It's not your choice. See now, of course. No, but, but you have to then at least have that conversation <laughs> see, if see you're now, Lance, say that Leonard Williams got screwed. See, now, Lance, for me, I think it's an argument that Leonard Williams deserves to be on the list, but I think he's right in the same category as those other guys. So, uh, to me, if you gave me that list and Leonard Williams was on, but say uh, Chris Jones wasn't, I think you can say, well, I don't want to take Leonard Williams off that list. He's deserving. So, I, a little bit of it this way. I think Leonard Williams was deserving, and I think all the guys that made it were deserving. And I think they just ran out of seats in the car, if you know well, what I'm saying. If Lance really wants to go here, I'll have to throw the knockout punch oh, on him. Boy. Chris Jones had three tackles for a loss. Williams had 14. Okay? Chris Jones had seven and a half sacks. Williams had 11 and a half. Chris Jones had 36 tackles, and Williams had 57. Do you want to give Chris so, Jones his quarterback if, hits? If you really want to go by quarterback <laughs> well, hits, Chris Jones had 28, Williams had 30. So if you want to go by the numbers, you just got flattened under the pavement. Well, but, but once again, you're defining it based on statistics, and statistics alone is not just my criteria, though. And, and, I'm, and, not, and I'm not and, saying Leonard Williams didn't have a good season, but if you look at what Chris Jones also, the, the Chiefs last time I checked, you know, it's not like they got the same type of depth that they had in the previous year, keep in mind. They lost some personnel, too, and guys were in and out of the lineup. So the fact that Chris Jones was at least their consistent staple, what he did for that defense, that to me argues all pro Lance, labels. the, the truth of the matter is I don't like living by numbers either you know I can't stand to do that because I think there are a ton of intangible factors in this case when a guy's numbers blow the other guy's numbers away across the board in every single category I mean literally bludgeon him into scrambled eggs like Leonard Williams numbers do to Chris Jones's and then when you know the intangibles that Leonard Williams meant to the Giants you lose this one but once again, you're going specifically based on numbers. And I'm saying, what about what Chris Jones meant I to the Chiefs? I also mentioned though? intangibles. You didn't what hear about, that so, word. So you're going to argue Chris Jones didn't mean much of anything for the Chiefs this I season? didn't mean to start this. I'm sorry, guys. It's all right. <laughs> Wait, but if, if you're talking – hold on, Paul. If you're no, talking I, I, I have nothing more to say to you. You're no, lost cause on this one. No, but if you're talking intangibles, then how can you argue that Chris Jones didn't mean as much, if not more, that Leonard Williams meant to the Giants? Though? I didn't say that Jones would not even him out in that regard. But even if that's a draw, the numbers destroy Chris Jones. Destroy well, across the board. Destroy. The, I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe that as destroying. Okay, it's not fourteen like Chris Jones tackles had half for a, a loss to and, three. And what math class did you go to in fifth grade? I, I would not 14 define that. Fourteen to three. 
Well, that's, that's one category. Not that's one category you mentioned, though. Tackles said, for a loss. Chris, yeah, but Chris, well, sacks was not that widespread. 11 and a half to 7 and a half. That's, not, that's, that's destroying not the, a guy? In the NFL, it that, is. I don't consider that destroying. You're out of your mind, well, you Lance, and I disagree in terms of how you would label the criteria. I don't, I don't John, get him a drug that. test, will you no, please? I, I just, you and I don't, don't agree in terms of the label of destroying. I don't consider that destroying another individual okay. in the sack department. Now, I will play the man in the middle here and make my point that they have the same number of quarterback pressures this year. So, to me, they're in the same category. So, I think both are deserving. Okay, so, I'm going go, right John. down the Fine, line. How about on. that? All right. We have one more caller. He's been on hold. I want to get him in. Caller, you're on the line. What's your oh name? Where my. are you calling from? Oh, good afternoon, guys. I, I have to agree with Paul. I think Martinez was um, – you have to check. You have to make the calls, the run fits. You have to handle all that stuff. And he's a better player with the Giants than he was with Green Bay. Green Bay was a turnstile in the run defense, and he was he really con- – That's he, a good point. That's fair. He was a rock in the middle of that defense. And I, I think of these lists, we get so caught up in them because they're confirmation bias-based. They're based a lot on team success. I, I, sure. For me, I, Jalen Ramsey, to me, uh, maybe I'll get flamed for this, I think he's overrated. I think he gets a lot of media hype because of his antics, his Brinks truck. James Bradbury, to me, if you look at their numbers, are comparable players. He just plays on a 6-10 and 10 team. And, and, and I'm sorry, the Rams made it in by the skin of their teeth. Josh Allen and the Bills lift them up for foreign change, and I had no fear of Ramsey making a play at all. When he was with Jacksonville, he calls Allen trash. They beat him. He flexed on him, and he just couldn't a good game. But I think a lot of his hype and a lot of his confidence is false bravado. I just never buy into players like that. See, now, I, I think Bradbury is closer to Ramsey than most people think, but I think, I think Jalen Ramsey's a hell of a player. Hell of a player. <laughs> He's going to lie. Jalen Ramsey never gives up a big play. He might give up a couple short passes here or there. You never beat Jalen Ramsey over the top. Ever. Ever. He got saved by that ref call in that one game of this year. I forget Again, what it was it Dallas was. Michael Gallup down the left sideline. He yeah. got saved. No, he did. That's fair. No yeah, argument thrown there. A flag on that. That's yeah. fair. He got beat clean, and it was a fake flag. But The fact Ramsey, that you can only think of one, I think, speaks volumes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying he's trash or he's bad. Right. I think he's good. I just think he gets a lot more. He's not, you know, elite. I just think he's, a lot of it is his team success, where he plays. The NFL Network is based right out of the building they play in. No, I hear you. I, I hear you. I hear, no, I hear you. I, I got I mean, you. I, I just I think a lot of that. And, and Brandon's QB tiering list is really, I'm sorry, bro. I'm in Jersey. We need to sit down and talk. <laughs> I mean, whoa, buddy. And he was talking about Josh. Josh Allen did that nice play in Dallas. As I'm a Bills fan, I watched it. I think his intangibles is what people don't know. Just like Jones. Jones is intangibles. I think people don't see the things that they do behind the scenes, all the checks and balances. They just think they watch the Madden ratings and they watch the, the talking heads and it's like all oh, confirmation bias. Not everybody comes into the league with Patrick Mahomes' You know, situation where he had or raw talent. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' raw talent is just off the charts. What he can physically oh. do is ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Oh, he has raw talent, but he also has a track team as wide receivers, all of mm-hmm. whom are good. He's and he has Andy Reid, right? Exactly. Yeah, you hit it. He's got a Hall of Fame play yep. caller. He had no pressure to play because Alex Smith had a career year. He, Lance's guy. He had the the. I mean. Pardon my expression, the wet dream situation for an organization for a rookie quarterback to go into. No, that's fair. Absolutely. No, look, I'm with you, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. No problem. We're a little bit over. I want to go back another time and, and we'll make sure we give you a little bit more time. 
All right, guys, final thoughts that are not on the defensive tackles on the old pro team <laughs> before we say goodbye. But okay, real quick, Ichi, rapid fire. Give me your picks for the games this weekend. Lance, you go first. Wow. Okay. Well, rapid let fire. Me bring up the uh, list of games here so that I don't uh, skip a game in, in terms of what's on the slate. I think uh, Buffalo beats Indianapolis. I think the Colts' defense is underrated, so I don't think that's going to be a lopsided game, but I'll go Bills there. I think the Seahawks will edge the Rams. I don't even know if Jared Goff is 100% to play, and I like Seattle's chances regardless of who's the quarterback. I think Tampa Bay will beat Washington. I'll take Baltimore creaming Tennessee. That, to me, is the one game that I could see Ooh, being extremely creaming. lopsided. Tennessee okay. defense is in real trouble with the way Baltimore's playing. I think the Ravens are the most dangerous team. New Orleans, I think, gets by Chicago, and I think Pittsburgh takes care of business against Cleveland. Paulie? I'll take all the home teams except for Tampa Bay. Okay. I'm with you guys, too. I think Buffalo-Indianapolis is interesting. If the Colts can kind of grind that game out on the ground a little bit, I think that gives them their best shot. Uh, the quarterback situation with the Rams is a problem. I do love the Rams' defense to slow down the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. They've done that consistently the last three years. I think they do it again. It's a low-scoring game, but I'm with Lance. The quarterback situation scares me. Sorry, Washington football team. I think they keep that. I think they keep the Bucks' offense in check, but I don't see how they score enough points to win that game. Especially if Alex Smith doesn't play, by the way. Correct. That's true. Uh, to me, see, I think the Ravens' recent hot streak lands came against some poor football teams. So I want to see them against a better team. Now I agree the Titans' defense is brutal. It is not good. I think this is a shootout. I think both teams get above 27 points. And take your pick. I think the Titans figure out a way to win, but I think this is going to be a give-or-take, flip-your-coin, 34-31 type of game. The Saints are home. I like them against the Bears. If that game's in Chicago, we might be having a different conversation. And look, leave it to the Browns. They get to the players for the first time in like, what, 20 years? And then a pandemic wipes out half their roster, only in Cleveland. I mean, I, honestly, I feel bad for the fans because they had a good team this year, and they could have won that game if they were healthy. It, it sucks. It really does. And it, Well, it sucks that you lose yeah. your head coach. I mean, that's what really is the major blow. The yeah. fact that Stefanski helped turn things around, and now he can't even call plays. Not that Alex Van Pelt is a nobody. He's a well-experienced offensive coordinator, but yeah. the timing really stinks for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, they lose, Jay, uh, they lose Batonio, and uh, it's, it's, it's not good. It's just no. not good. All right, folks. I feel bad for him, by the way. That, what a shame. Too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think you got to feel the bad for all that The longest tenured Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. All right, everybody, enjoy the playoff games this weekend. We'll be back next week every day at noon with another week of Big Blue Kickoff Live as we continue in the Giants' offseason. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. And make sure you go out there and play Paul Dottino's favorite game, introducing Money Dots, a new game from the New York Lottery where you play for your chance to win money on the dot. Please play responsibly, and please leave some money in Paul Dottino's bank account. For Paul Dottino on Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend.